Welcome to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Thanks for listening. Our desire is to help you advance in your faith journey no matter where you are. For more information on our church, please check out cthope.com. Well, we made it to week four of Be Rich, our second time around doing Be Rich. If you are a guest this morning, tuning in for the first time, my name is Dan. I'm the teaching pastor here, and we have been focusing on being generous as a church the last three weeks. Today is our celebration, and we're glad that you joined us this morning. We have been trying to fulfill a verse of Scripture that says uh, out of 1 Timothy 6, 18, command them, that's all of us that claim to follow Jesus, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. We just got done three weeks of showing our generosity in a historic time in world history. We are at a time of cultural change. We are at a time of a uh, pandemic with health issues and how that's impacting us. And yet, in the midst of it, even for some of us who are maybe very tight financially, we chose to be generous, and all of this to benefit other people, not ourselves. Over these last three weeks, we've had some great opportunities to give and to serve and to love. And so for just a few minutes, I want to show how your involvement helped us be rich in good deeds. So we're going to take a quick look back at what has happened over the last three weeks. Here we go. I think we all know that there's something about being generous that just moves us. Inside, it does something for us. We feel encouraged to give more. It fulfills something in us. It's, it, for some of us, it's become our purpose of living. there's a time that we need to be generous, it's now. So, over the next three weeks, we're going to challenge you to give, to serve, to love. All three of these in generous ways. Once again this year, our GLOW team has gotten together and has planned and plotted covertly to find two nonprofits that we are going to bless this year with a surprise gift. They don't know that this is what we're doing. We want to encourage you to really go all in, to look for God to provide for you, but to be generous. And I want to assure you that whatever you give, Hope Church gets none of it. 100% of this is going to these two nonprofits. Hope Church, we're on our way. It's that time again. We get to go surprise some people with your generous giving, uh, some gifts that is going to help these nonprofits continue on and be able to establish their vision and mission. We are excited to be a part of this. We're looking forward to what God's going to do through them. 
uh, and it's because of your giving that we get to do this. So let's get ready. This is going to be a lot of fun surprising people. Here we go. So uh, my name is Doran Wright. Uh, that's spelled D-O-R-A-N, but I go by Pastor D here in the neighborhood. I am the Connecticut coordinator for Straight Ahead Ministries, which is a 31-year-old ministry uh, nationwide in scope that works with kids who are involved in the uh, juvenile justice system, sometimes incarcerated, sometimes uh, not in lockup, but uh, coming back to the community from experiences of incarceration. One thing I wanted to inform you is that our church, uh, we did show the video a few weeks ago, um, is a part you. of our Be Rich campaign, which uh, we're really just trying to encourage our church to find ways to be generous. Uh, without further ado, I do want to give this to you, though, because this is one thing that our church wanted to give uh, towards you all to help out with oh, the ministry and whatever my. you can focus and Goodness. do with that. So, uh, we love what you're doing. Oh, we love the hearts. So, we just want to see if it helps do something to help out with uh, the ministry here at Bridgeport or Harper or whatever. It will, Please it will do be so. A tremendous help. Thank you so much. That's our goal. Is to, you know, if we can please the heart of God, He's going to show us the pathways yes. to follow. And, uh, Absolutely. So. Well, one thing we wanted to let you know is that we have been doing Be Rich at our church, which has been, we've been challenging our church to be very strong in generosity over the last three weeks. So we wanted to give this to you uh, from Hope Church and hope that it will go towards keeping the ministry going for a little longer and obviously hopefully into the future. So, so, hope that this helps with everything. So, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, oh my gosh. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And this is a great testimony just to our staff, our kids, just knowing how a church is reaching out like this, too. This is a complete surprise, obviously. <laughs> so, thank awesome. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. about you, but that gets me excited. I love seeing you all just respond and get involved with being generous and being rich. I, it, it's been great for me. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest, the GLOW team and I, when we sat down and talked about doing being rich, uh, it was right before everything began to shut down, and so we were not sure the response that we would have from each of you. It was really a step of faith that maybe in the midst of this, people will step up and choose to be generous, even in hard times. And you did. As you saw in the video, you helped raise over $7,100. Last year, we had $6,900, and that was in a year that we were not undergoing a pandemic and economic turmoil and cultural changes and all this stuff. You gave $6,900 last year. It may seem like a small amount that we only gave about $300 more than last year, but you have to take the whole picture and put it together and see everything that we chose to be generous in the midst of. You uh, served over 150 plus hours. We had 325 sandwiches made that went to St. Vincent de Paul in Middletown to help feed the homeless there. Some of you made them at home. Uh, some of you brought, you know, 12. Some of you brought 40. It was awesome. You did it. And on top of this, our kids knocked it out of the park. 
we said this was a year that we wanted to focus on the next generation. And unfortunately, because of everything going on, we haven't been able to focus in on that maybe as much as we have wanted to. But we did with Be Rich. And with Michelle's leadership, it was awesome to see that the kids did 89 snack boxes for the East Hampton Food Bank. And those are going to go out to kids that they may go to school with, kids that they know, kids in their neighborhood that the family's having a hard time. And now they have these awesome reminders through these snack boxes. And oh yeah, then there's that whole thing that you were a part of through your generous giving that we were able to give uh, the teachers and the staff and the administrators of three of the four schools in East Hampton, uh, we provided lunch for them in the midst of a very difficult, difficult time to be in that position. Hope Church, awesome. Well done. Well done. In the midst of everything going on, you stepped up to the plate and you hit a home run. Now what? Is that it? Are we done? Uh, it, it could be real easy for us to just slip back in October and say, okay, we did our giving for the year. Our generosity is over with. We don't even have to worry about it in November and December when we normally are very generous. What would God ask of Hope Church now that we have come through these four weeks? And this is, for many of you, the second time we've done this. What now? I want to challenge you from a passage of Scripture, something that I thought about this past week and observed. Uh, we've looked over the last three weeks at different parables or stories that Jesus taught something deeper uh, through. Uh, he would use these stories as illustrations to get his point across, and we want to take a look or, uh, at part of one today uh, that may be familiar to many of you if you've been raised in church, and it's, uh, it starts in Matthew 25. And we're going to look at verse 31 to 40. Let me set it up this way. Jesus is talking about the end times, the end of the world, and an event that is going to happen there. And yet he uses this uh, story to explain what was going on there in Matthew 25. Verse 31 starts and says this, when the Son of Man, Jesus is talking about himself, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Jesus is saying, I'm going to come back one day. I'm going to set up my throne on earth. My angels are coming with me. I'm going to be in control of the world. Verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him. Doesn't matter what nation you're from, country you're from, town you're from, race you are, all of us, every single one, all those that are created in the image of God will be there. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now, this is referring to something in future history that we believe that Jesus, when he does not only just come back and reign on earth for a while, this is called the judgment of those that are Gentile or those that are non-Jewish. And that's what this event is describing here. Jesus will sit on his throne and he will separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep being those that are faithful or followers of him, and the goats are not. Now, you may ask, how does one become a sheep, and how does one become a goat? Well, we believe that it's by committing your life to following Jesus that you would become a sheep, if you will, uh, a follower of Christ, one of his own children, adopted into his family. And a goat would be somebody who would reject Jesus, reject everything that he's about, live for themselves, live for something that is false, and so the sheep and the goats are separated at this scene. 
And in verse 34, it goes on. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now, this is really cool because uh, here's the deal. Okay, we've been in America's been around for 400 some years. And you can go to a New York City and see some of the amazing things that we have built there and we have built all in this country, some amazing things. And we did all of that in 400 years. Now, think of this. Jesus says here that you are getting to take a part and go as part of what you receive from God as a blessing for following Jesus. You get to be a part of the kingdom of heaven prepared for you since the beginning of time. God, who has endless resources and can build anything he wants, any way he wants, has been preparing it since the beginning of time. Jesus says that he goes to prepare a place for us. He's preparing heaven for those that are his followers. And he's been doing it a long time. So if you think earth is amazing, earth is a garbage can compared to what we will see in heaven. So he says, hey, you're blessed by my Father. Come enjoy heaven because of what you have done. And in verse 35, it goes on, it says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Now, that's interesting, okay? It says here, Let me me clarify this. Is Jesus saying that just because these sheep did something that they get to go to heaven? In other words, what I'm trying to get at here is, is good deeds what saved them? Was good works what saved them? Is that why they get to go to heaven is they just did good stuff? No, I don't think that's the point of this story. And that would go completely contrary to what Jesus taught about himself and why he needed to die. But... Good deeds and good works, serving those around us, looking out for the outcast, all of that comes from a heart of generosity that understands we have been saved by Jesus. And if he's going to save us and he's going to be generous with his forgiveness and his love, we too should be generous. And so you see some of the things here that Jesus says, hey, you did this to me. Now, that's interesting. Why did he say to him? Because Jesus wasn't on earth at this time. What Jesus is getting at here, you'll see in the next few verses. He goes on in verse 37, it says, Then the righteous, the sheep, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I say unto you, or I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So Jesus was saying, you clothed me, you fed me all this. And they're like, when did we do that? And he says, you did this to people who were insignificant, people who were unimportant, 
people that most society stays away from or avoids or has cast out. And you treated people on earth, created in my image, you treated them that way. How awesome is that? And, and when you did that, you did that to me. Now, let me, let me sort of help you with this. Uh, I, as you know, you know, if you come to Hope, we have four kids. And there have been times when people have decided to buy our children, we'll say a birthday gift or a Christmas gift. We have one family in particular that seems to do it every year. And, and we never ask for it, but they do it. And they always give really good gifts, which, by the way, puts a lot of pressure on us. But anyway, uh, they do good gifts. Here's what I'll tell you. When you bless our kids, it blesses us. We, we take joy at what they were given by people who bless them. It blesses us and it blesses our kids both. And, and that's really that picture here, what Jesus is saying. If you took care of these people that were outcast, overlooked, unimportant, uh, avoided at all costs, if you took care of their needs, if you saw their need and you were willing, not because you felt guilty, you were willing to bless them, you did it to me. Well done. Well done. The rest of this parable, Jesus then spells out the goats. He goes through that whole thing about thirsty and all of this. Uh, and he says, you know what, goats, you didn't do that to me. You avoided me at all cost. You avoided the lesser of the brethren. Now, here's what I got out of this this week. Yes, good works don't save you. But good works are rooted in a heart willing to serve and a heart that understands what they have been saved from. If we understand the generosity of God, we talked about this last week, the generosity of God, we cannot help but be generous ourselves. We have to be generous ourselves. And so, we can take out of this the importance of us keeping our eyes open for opportunities to be generous, not just in a season, but all the time. Let me modernize this a little bit for you. Let's take those things that Jesus said that the sheep had done, and let's try and put a little modern touch to this, okay? Jesus said, I was hungry. If we were to modernize this, perhaps he would say, I couldn't provide for my family. My job, I was laid off. Uh, I'm still waiting to hear back. They haven't let us back yet. I was thirsty. Maybe Jesus would have said, I have no access to clean water. Even I hope we have helped with getting villages clean water. It's hard to believe because we have water everywhere, even though we're in the middle of a drought, that people still don't have access to clean water. I was a stranger. Perhaps Jesus would have said, I was an immigrant or a refugee, a war refugee in your country. I didn't know anyone. I came there. No one needed to pay attention to us, but you did. You saw me, and you cared for me. I needed clothes. Perhaps Jesus would have said, I had very minimal income. I couldn't even take care of clothes. I'm wearing dirty, beat-up clothes with holes in it. They're, but you bought me clothes, and not just any clothes. You didn't give me your hand-me-downs. You gave me new clothes and great clothes. I was sick. Perhaps Jesus would have said, I had HIV or something else that's been hitting us over these last six months, and I don't even just mean COVID. But maybe Jesus would have said, I had a mental illness, and you didn't push me away. You loved me. You met my needs. I was in prison. 
Perhaps Jesus would have said, society had canceled me. They'd written me off. I'd lost everything, job, reputation, and so on. No one would even look at me, but you did. I say all this because the sheep did more than what they had to, and uh, they went above and beyond. When you look into the Revelation and the, uh, how it talks about this event when this happens, the Gentiles go above and beyond to meet the needs of the, less, uh, the least of the brothers and sisters to the point of endangering their own lives. That's how determined they are to be generous as we see in the end times. And that's what it requires of us. We're willing to do whatever it takes to go above and beyond to meet people's needs and see them as God sees them. People made in his image, people he loves. It's easy for us at a time like this with Be Rich to just rally ourselves up for three solid weeks in generosity and woohoo, look at us, pat ourselves on the back, think we're the greatest thing in the world, let everybody know all about it. Shame on us. And shame on us if it stays with these three weeks. It must go beyond. This must be all the time. It's hard to think of thinking about being generous all the time, but it's what we as believers must do. It's one thing to be rich for three weeks, but it's a whole other thing to be rich all year long. But I do know this, and I do believe this, that if we choose to be rich, if we choose to be generous, if we choose to constantly be looking for the needs around us, it will change the world. The church can change the world. With all the chaos going on in our, our world and our government and all that stuff, the church can change the world. It starts with those that follow him. Many people were talking about a debate this past week that happened, and I hate to bring up a sore thing, and I'm not getting political here, but here's what I'll tell you. What breaks my heart more about what we see going on in our country is something like a debate is that what we saw on stage was ourselves. It wasn't two men arguing and fighting and being rude. We saw ourselves. It was a mirror. That's not going to change the world. I'll tell you that. That won't change the world. But the church has the ability to be generous and change the world. Wouldn't it be great if the church became known more for being a generous, generous organization than it was for some of the other things it gets known for, a, a, a famous pastor or uh, an amazing uh, building or, or whatever, anything, or, you know, they have book deals or whatever, they're creamers like we have at home, whatever it is. Wouldn't it be great if the church was known for its generosity? That instead of bigger buildings, we would maximize the usage of what God has allowed us to have to meet the needs of people around us in our community and beyond. That instead of making bold statements about cultural uh, things, that instead we would invest and do the work of change rather than to just talk a lot about it. That instead of just providing food for our attendees or having a potluck or a barbecue or something like that, that we become determined year-round to provide food for those that are hungry. That instead of sending checks out to people all across the world or even in our own community that we just cut a check, wow, that sounds like a good organization, that instead of that, we would seek to serve those missionaries or those people serving or those nonprofits. We would invest our life, not just our money, 
That instead of uh, waiting on policymakers to change the world through policy, that instead we would make the change ourselves and do what it is <coughs> that we think needs to be done. That instead of seeking public praise for all the accolades of how wonderful our church is because of all the good things we do, that instead we fly under the radar. And that instead of living for our own personal comforts as individuals in our homes and our families and all the things that we can spend on ourselves, we are known more for what we give away and we don't ask for it back. And we give it away to the people that everybody else overlooks. And lastly, that instead of a celebrity pastor or leader, that we point always to Jesus because humans are temporary and humans fall. But Jesus does neither of those. So my challenge for us is to plan for intentional generosity. Plan for intentional generosity. I want to challenge you uh, to keep thinking generous beyond, beyond November and December. Uh, last year we talked to Hartford Rescue Mission and we've had the opportunity to bless them. And one of the things that stuck out to me, and it's not a surprise, is, is they said, you know what, we get gifts galore, uh, you know, starting in October all the way through December, cash gifts, people want to serve, they want to come feed people, all that. And then it's like as soon as January the 1st hits, they're gone. For at least the next three months, they rarely see anything. Perhaps the church needs to be more intentional about being countercultural and about choosing and setting up to be generous in January through March. Maybe you personally need to say, okay, I'll help people in November and December and I'll bless people, but I want to help people when they need it the most. And that is going to be the beginning of the year. Generosity is not seasonal. It's not seasonal. Generosity is a mindset and a willingness to serve other people all the time, to keep our eyes open for the needs around us and to bless them accordingly. Set aside your resources and bless somebody every opportunity you have. I end with a quick story, and that's, uh, there's a friend of ours back in Baltimore. Uh, he was bl a blessed businessman, did very well for many years, and uh, he has a house down on the shore in Delaware. It's like six bedrooms, you know, a whole bunch of bathrooms. It's this amazing house. You're right there on the beach. And, you know, he could make money on that. He could probably charge easily three to $4,000 a week and make a lot of money off of it. And he does run it out from time to time, but he also lets pastors use it for free and their families. And he, he let Beth and myself stay there several times. He, he just lends it. And why? Because his heart is generosity. He understands, yes, he has stuff, but he doesn't just want to use it to gain more money and build bigger barns. No, he wants to use it to bless people out of what he has. And he does so selflessly all the time. Let's be generous. What if the church became more known for its generosity than anything else. Let's pray. Father, we commit this time to you. We just spent a couple weeks, Lord, focusing and thinking about generosity all week long. We as a church have given, we've served, we've loved. And Father, it's easy for us to stop now, but please don't let us 
May you continue to provoke our thoughts and and work in our hearts and impress upon us. Keep our eyes open to see people who need to be served, people who have been thrown out by everybody else. And Lord, give us that heart, not begrudgingly, but a heart of willingness to serve. God, we lay this before you. Make us and make the church be known for its generosity and for its love for all people. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.